Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit robblack.com. Robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So soon, I'm going to be putting together a a quick newsletter every month. And it's not going to be, here's the secret to a million dollars. It's going to have to have some hints, tips, tricks, some things that I want to pass along to my kids, some things, ideas, uh, some big picture ideas on Wall Street. It'll have some statistics that motivate you, and it'll probably have a song or two. It'll have ways to fix your credit, but it'll be very, very simple. I want you to read it, learn it, throw it away. You can sign up for that at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Working with my marketing team, and we're coming up with an idea to do portfolio reviews, but have you come to a brewery in Marin on a Sunday, one to four, kind of a meet and greet. Uh, all the details have not been figured out, but should be announced early next week. Is that something that interests you? Kind of a, a mini portfolio review to figure out where you are in your life. If you're ahead, if you're behind, what you may be missing, what you may be doing wrong. We're figuring that all out and we'll probably announce something early next week. So the markets are having a very good weak and not bad quarter. One thing I could tell you that we can learn very quickly is what worked last year is not working this year as well. And what struggled last year is working much better this year. So when you hear fools like me talking about asset allocation, last year I was down 30% of my growth stocks. The market was down 30% of the growth stocks. Now, I tend to focus on growth stocks that have earnings, so my growth stocks weren't nearly as badly hit as growth stocks without earnings. But see, there I'm trying to like make myself look bigger than I am. I, I just need to shut up and give you the example. Last year, growth stocks underperformed. The S&P 500 was better than the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ was down 30%, the S&P 500, 20%, the Dow, roughly 10%, right? So we could play with those kind of numbers and say value did better than growth. This year, it's exactly flipped. That's why when I say in your 401k, you want growth, but you also want value. You want to hit all the tic-tac-toe boxes. The three up access would be small, medium, large. The three left to right would be growth, growth at income, and income. And if you can get one of each flavor, uh, small cap income, small cap growth, small cap growth at income, you don't need to get all nine. If you want to eliminate that middle category, growth and income, you can But that's the way I approach things, that you can see why asset allocation works. It tempers your downside results. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was up three quarters of 1%. The NASDAQ was up three quarters of 1%. The S&P 500 up one half of 1%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 40 basis points. 10-year Treasury sits at 3.5%. Again, showing us this is something you could probably pass on to your kids. It may need to be modified because that's a long time away. 
But I, I still stand by my statement when the 10-year treasury is at 4%, I'd rather buy income stocks or bonds. And when the 10-year treasury is under 3.5%, I'd rather buy growth stocks. It's pretty simple. And it's a formula that's worked for the better part of my whole entire investment life. Now, doesn't mean that it's always going to work, but I feel comfortable starting with that thought and changing on the fly. Positive vibes yesterday, huh? Uh, earlier this week, I was like, is the market telling us that things are going to be better in six months from now? Because the market's starting to hit annual, not, not annualized, uh, 2023 highs. And as it does, if you believe Wall Street's a discounting mechanism six months in the future, it's telling us inflation's going to be better under control in six months than it is now. Again, it may not happen, but I do believe that to be true. Russia has arrested American journalists for alleged espionage. Um, it's starting to feel like the wheels are coming off on Russia, but haven't we been saying that for 12 plus months now? But there are hints their economy is struggling more. And I think that's a desperate move when you arrest a journalist. A court nixed in Obamacare, a preventative care mandate. A federal judge in Texas blocked the Affordable Care Act's mandate that required insurers to cover uh, HIV preventative medication and preventative screenings for some cancers. A ruling could affect nearly 100 million Americans who use one or more of the Affordable Care Act's covered services. The ruling came in a lawsuit that argued that the mandate forces religious employers to cover drugs that encourage homosexual behavior, prostitution, and sexual promiscuity, and even intravenous drug use. I have no opinions on this. It stinks in America that we're so wealthy and there's some that are so financially unfortunate and there's some services that are critical that other countries seem to have that we don't, even though we have more wealth and there's some things that just make you scratch your head. Like this should be figure outable. I know you're saying figure outable. Is that a word? It is now. Patent pending. Average wall street bonus plunged 26% in 2022. Not bad. $176,000 in bonus. She's Gwyneth. Um, that was a weird case. A jury found Gwyneth Paltrow not at fault for a 2016 ski collision. When a retired optometrist sued her for $300,000 for basically plowing into her at a ski resort, she says no is the other way around. I don't really care who wins this case or who loses that case. To me, it's a case of, yes, you can go skiing this weekend and you get it up in court and someone's trying to take your life savings from you. And it could be true. It could be one of them's lying, right? One of them ran into the other. The eight day trial was a, a big sensational win for TikTok. Um, she looks like a heroic figure. If you take a look at the TikTok videos. I I don't know. I don't I, I really, really, really don't care on this case. All I'm telling you is that it makes me think um, have umbrella insurance, Rob. You have enough money that this weekend I'm not going skiing this weekend, but hypothetically, let's say I'm going skiing this weekend. 
Um, I'm a big bear. Like I move so slowly when I ski that park rangers have, have warned, like you're moving too slow. You look like a bear coming down the mountain and like you're going to run into other skiers. We will shoot a bear. if We see a bear on skis coming and, and plowing into other skiers. So I'm a big guy. I'm 215 pounds. If I ran into someone that would hurt. And I could see being sued. And I'm not that great of a skier. My kids are. That sucks, by the way. Since there were six, there are better skiers than me. And like, I plateaued it, meh. And they've plateaued it back, black diamond. Um, One minute. I bring up Queenie Paltrow because once you have wealth, there's little things that you need to do. And one of them, I was talking to CFP Dan Fetterman yesterday, and uh, he's reviewing a friend's portfolio for me. And the friend just, his in-laws died in a horrible crash accident. But he's inheriting a lot of wealth because of it. And one of the things Fetterman said to me was, don't forget to tell him to get umbrella insurance. And it covers things that your insurance doesn't cover. Someone comes over to my house this week and dog bites him. Um, homeowner's insurance is going to cover that claim. But let's say in six months from now, that dog bite never heals and it turns into a massive infection. He loses his leg. Uh-oh. That's when the umbrella insurance might cover and kick in. Hitting a car full of attorneys, bad news for insurance. Um, not if you have umbrella insurance, it's suddenly a little bit better. She's quintessent until proven guilty. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Probably one of the greatest concerts I ever went to was David Byrne from the Talking Heads. Probably one of the worst concerts I ever went to was Pearl Jam. I could not believe how bad Pearl Jam just phoned it in. And I'm not one of those people who when they go, we have a special announcement. Our drummer is sick tonight. So we found a high school kid who can play drums really kicking. I'm like, no, I didn't come to see a high school kid play. Stop that. Stop that. Every concert now is like, hey, we have a special guest today. This boy is uh, currently dying. And uh, his make-a-wish is to play in front of a rock. Like, no. And you're saying you have no heart. Yes, remember that kid who played Batman in the city of San Francisco and he slowed down traffic everywhere? I know. I know. I'm going to H E double toothpicks. Disney did something that was kind of unique and funny and like, did that really just happen? Disney doesn't have any trolls. I don't believe in their characters, the cast of characters which I hate the way Disney refers to their employees as the cast. But they trolled DeSantis pretty good. The company quietly entered into agreements that rendered the board of uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis handpicked to govern the special tax district basically powerless. The board members learned about these agreements just this week. One said that uh, they plan to correct Disney's behind-the-scenes sleight of hand. Disney, though, asserts it was all kosher. What happened for 55 years? That's a long time. The state of Florida allowed Disney to make its own rules for developing the land where its theme park sit. But after the company criticized the so-called don't say gay bill, DeSantis installed his own board to run the district. With a new board in place, they forgot to look at the rules and the mandates. 
Disney pulled a typical switcheroo, which you can typically see in Disney movies, where the bad guy thinks inside the jar, inside the basket, is the princess. But when he opens it up, it's sand crabs. That's exactly what happens. The new board from Disney has been barred um, from naming, uh, making any changes to the intellectual property. Disney has the right to review any proposed changes to properties in the district. They set it up so that the rules can't really be messed with. And there's even this weird clause in it that all the agreements are valid until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England. You're like, that's obscure. I will say that I think the lesson there is we have to see that state government is way different than federal government. And state government has a play in investing. I don't ever talk about that. I talk about federal and how we live in a capitalist society based on tax rates, based on competition. Like yesterday, I brought up the idea of Disney being acquired by Apple, and it could happen. And I told you the number one thing that both Disney has and Apple has is dedicated consumers. I know people who get engaged at Disney. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I get going to Disney when you're six and you want to be a princess. But Prince Charles getting down on one knee at Disney and asking you to marry. No, no. You're 25 years old. Don't do it at Disney. They want a lovely vacation. Uh, maybe Mexico. Maybe uh, a waterfall. Maybe in a helicopter over a waterfall. But do it in front of uh, Pluto, who smells kind of funny. No, thank you. Okay, okay, okay. So last thing I want to mention about uh, state politics is it is important to pay attention to. A business set up in Texas is way different than a business set up in California. California probably has, in this case, access to more universities, closer proximity to China. If it's a manufacturing company, that's super important. Texas has better tax rates, uh, cheaper cost of living. In 2018, 2019, when we saw real estate prices march higher, let's do pre-pandemic because it's easier for you to remember this. We would hear stories about a plane full of attorneys from Texas flying to the Bay Area to do intellectual property law. And while they're on the plane, sitting on their laptops, they're charging you $200 for an hour flight time because they're on their computers doing emails. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. If you're a young lawyer, you can live in Texas and work in California. And the only thing you have to do is be on a flight that you could actually write off and bill. Yep. So different states do have the power. And I want you to see that in your companies. Um, where's Netflix uh, housed at? Could Netflix move their corporate offices to Texas and pay less corporate taxes and suddenly have 10% more profit? Probably. But if they want to stay close to Hollywood, probably not. Same thing goes with manufacturing. In the end, Elon Musk, I'm not going to say he doesn't want manufacturing in California. But California is not a great manufacturing state like, say, Arizona or Florida, Arizona or Texas. 
So the cost of labor to get someone to come into a factory is way cheaper in Arizona than it is in California. The women's final four basketball games will be played tonight. With a record number of TV viewers tuning into the tournament, the Iowa-Louisville Elite Eight game last Sunday drew more viewers, 2.5 million, than any NBA game on ESPN this season. I think that's pretty damn cool. Um, I was grabbing lunch a couple days ago, and uh, the order taker was on the phone with someone, and I guess the phone call said something like, hey, are you going to be playing the women's uh, Elite Eight games tonight? He says, well, we'll have it on as long as, like, you know, baseball's not on or uh, something, you know, something more masculine, male-driven isn't on. I'm like, ooh. You couldn't say that out loud to her, could you? But Caitlin Clark from Iowa, I'm not going to say anything that gets me into trouble with my spouse, but um, I do find tall women to be very intriguing. (laughs) Like, what happened in society 20 years ago, 25 years ago? Um, more men were going to college than women and the higher jobs. Now more women are going to college than men and women want a man economically stable, not necessarily a provider, but stable and men want beauty. And now they have the jobs versus the men. And it's, it's, they're saying it's going to be a crisis in America (laughs) of independent women, not needing anything to do with a short guy <laughs> you're saying whoa yep <clears throat> so there's a lot going on with this basketball tournament and i'm i think it's great that espn has embraced it and they're kicking heine two and a half million people more than any nba game that's impressive uh would you have thought that that's the phrase that pays right here I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So later today, I'm going to meet with my bosses about potentially doing a Sunday afternoon drop by. Let's take a look at your portfolio. Portfolio check-in, if you will. Um. There's a brewery that's in San Rafael, and there's one in Corte Madera. I'm going to choose one of the two locations. I'm going to give up a few hours on a Sunday, like one to four, probably go down with some friends, financial planners, estate planners, maybe a realtor, and just set up shop and have a couple cold beers in the afternoon, catch an Uber ride home. Um, But we're going to do an event, and unlike a seminar, we'll probably hand stuff out. But we'll also say if you want to answer some questions and drop off your portfolio, we'll give you a write-up. And that's easily a $600, $800 kind of value. I'll give you more information as I know it. But here are the questions I ask you when it comes time to retire. When you go, do I need a financial planner? And I'll say, let's find out where you are first. Can you tell me more about your accounts is the first thing I ask. Next up, what are your three biggest financial concerns? What's your age, your income, your spouse's age, your spouse's income? How much longer do you want to work? Do you have children? Do you have a 401k? Have you seen your social security statement yet? What you're going to get when you retire? Do you have any vested stock options? Do you have any balances in a Roth IRA or Roth 401k? Do you have any regular IRA accounts? 
Do you have any regular accounts that are not tax uh, efficient? Balance of your regular and taxable income. Let's take a look. Do you have life insurance? Um, I had term life insurance until I became quote unquote wealthy. And then I still pay for it till I'm 60, but the payout wouldn't really affect my spouse's life because the wealth would. Now, 10 years ago, I wasn't wealthy. The payout was needed to cover sending the kids through high school and sending the kids through college and paying the mortgages. So term life is the only life insurance that you're ever going to hear me talk about as wise. Yes, there's one example or two that I can come up with whole life where if you're worth 15, 20 million dollars, you want to give that money to your kids, but you also want to give that money to charity. You can have a charity buy a whole life policy on you, not you on you. The charity will buy it and they'll pay the premiums until you die and then they get that big chunk of money. And your kids get life insurance comparable to the amount that you're giving. Yeah, there's some tricky things like that. That's the thing that kills me is every now and then I, I, I meet someone who I go through all these questions with and they have money and they just don't want to take that next step of doing it professionally. Uh, it, it's funny because little things like life insurance, there's little nuances are, are the difference between, you know, superb and just average. Long-term care. My dad worked till he was 58 or not worked until he died at 58, which for the record is one of the worst ages you could possibly die. Because when it comes to me getting insurance, they're like, you have a parent that was dead at sick before 60. We don't want to insure you. Because once you get a little further along, there's a good chance you're going to make it to 75 and pay 15 years of useless premiums. I had a dad die early. So... Um, Try to do what you can for your kids to stay healthy, at least until you're 60. I know you're saying he did not just say that. I really didn't. That's kind of an embellishment. So if you're interested in coming out to an event, sunshine afternoon in springtime, have a couple cold ones, drop off your portfolio, pick up some investment research. I'm going to be announcing that probably next week early, and it'll be up for about a month out. It's going to be what we do in between seminars. And it's going to allow me to get to areas that wouldn't necessarily fill up in a seminar like San Rafael or Corte Madera or Redwood Shores or Milpitas. Um, things that you need if you're going to work with a financial planner, latest tax returns, all your investment account statements, Social Security benefit statements, insurance policies, employee benefit packages, pay stubs, estate planning documents. Do you have a will trust? Don't hesitate to come out to this event and get a good snapshot of where you are. Dan Fetterman has agreed to work with your portfolio and show you what where it is and where it's not, but also to look at some of your other financial planning issues. There's a thing in our industry where there's like National Financial Planning Day. Um, and I'm going to try to make those, but I'm also going to say, let's do it California style. I'm not saying where your flippy flops, but sitting out in the sunshine and having a, a cold beverage Sounds pretty good to me. No pressure, but um, that's coming. And I hope you uh, support because doing face-to-faces and getting to meet you is super important to me. 
it's one of the things I've almost become emotional about at seminars. It's very strange. Uh, let's talk about GM and Ford. There, this was a week that wasn't the greatest, as Ford basically showed us that they're losing money in EVs, but they're making lots of money in combustible engines, especially their trucks and SUVs. So there's a teeter-totter effect where that's where Tesla is way ahead. They've got the manufacturing figured out. GM and Ford have to invest in manufacturing, and that's expensive, and it's going to be a bit of a lag on them. The development of Wi-Fi and 5G has opened the door for stronger and more flexible connectivity within manufacturing plants, letting them more easily use robots and monitor operations on factory floors. I got an email from a Wi-Fi scientist is what I'm going to refer to him as. I talked about Wi-Fi 7, a new standard, and he was gracious. He wrote, this is everything that we're working on. And, you know, sometimes it's not really, it's backwards compatible, but not necessarily, you're not going to get all the benefits of it for years to come. But when I told you just now that GM and Ford have really good Wi-Fi now and 5G in their factories, and that allows them to manufacture more efficiently with robots running around the floor and not running into people. It's probably not something you think about. A partnership with Verizon that started in November 2020 came on the heels of GM's retooling one of its factories just outside of Detroit. They retrofitted it to be the central location for GM's electric vehicle assembly. I was reading that Verizon is, and this is no joke, folks, as Joe Biden would like to say. No joke, no, no joke, folks. Verizon's going to put a cell tower on the moon. Wait, what? <laughs> And it's actually going to be functional, and it's actually going to help astronauts. So, and it was funny because as I was reading that, there's a, a debate on what do you call female astronauts? Uh, or do you, what do you call a manned mission to the moon? You have to say manned mission. So even in space, being po- politically correct is wise. So Verizon's going to put a cell tower on the moon? What's next? It's GM's first all-electric vehicle assembly plant, producing vehicles like the GMC Hummer EV and the Cruise Origin since the rededication of the factory in October 2022. So GM has changed a bit. They're more 21st century, and 5G is part of it. Who would have known, right? For the record, E3 is really not happening this year. And I was reading about E3 and how it used to be a great show in Vegas for Microsoft and Sony and all the game developers to come out and say, here's the newest video games. But they would have to fly to Vegas. They would have have to hire booth babes, good-looking women and scantily clad outfits to draw young gamers and young executives to their area. Say, look at this. We've got Quake 3 coming out. And that industry's changed for the worse. Uh, I'm not saying Vegas is going down to zero because they're not. But E3 has basically become not a thing for video game publishers because Microsoft and Sony and Take Two and Electric Arts, they'd rather run their own events in their own homes, offices, and put the clips on video release it to the YouTube and get millions of eyeballs there. They used to have to come to Vegas to get millions of eyeballs. 
But now they want to control their own environment versus having a big conference control the environment. It's interesting because obviously some industries can do that and some can't. But a lot like GM is using Wi-Fi and 5G to change and evolve their business model. The video game industry is saying, you know what? We got this thing called YouTube and Twitter and TikTok. And if we are developing games, we don't have to fly and spend millions and millions of dollars setting up booths and, and renting space and the booth babes and all that's wrong with Vegas, the hotels. Now, again, some companies are going to need that in-touch feeling. Mm, video games, not so much. What else is out there as far as big stories today? Let's take a quick look because I have not looked today. This is, I'm not going to say this is a big day because that sounds like a hyperbole, right? But this has been a very interesting week because some tech stocks are playing with breakouts. And by playing with breakouts, like NVIDIA hit a new 52-week high. Apple just hit a new 52-week high. Microsoft just hit a new 52-week high. Now, maybe not today by the time everything settles down. But that attracts new investors, and it also says like a 10% correction is going to believe it a little higher than the last 10% correction. Um, so I feel like a lot of good work is getting done right now. I don't want to have a party. It's my party, and I'll do what I want. Miley Cyrus, number one song, Flowers. If you have not heard Flowers, dang, it's catchy. Do yourself a favor. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Let me know what you think about that idea of having a sit-down portfolio review with a frosty beverage on a sunny day. Come in spring, putting winter and rain behind us. I say yes, please. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. March, as we all learned, is Women's History Month and doing a financial planning show, financial expert show, financial media show. I've quickly learned through the years, <laughs> through the years, I've learned quickly that women have different issues than men. Um, so I've dedicated the month of March, plus many, many more segments over the years to talking about women and investing. I think it's a unique scenario. We've had on some experts from EP Wealth, Laura Knoll. She talked about what happens when a spouse dies. She had a great angle on you know, like bonding together with other women. Uh, Liz McQueen, she came on and talked about professional women and how they should lean into financial concerns and really get up to speed on the education. Stephanie Richmond talked about the gender pay gap. EP Wealth is flush with very, very smart people who know about all issues, including women and investing. Today, we're going to be talking with Kathy Costas. She is a certified divorce expert. Technical, uh, this, uh, the, the letters on that are CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. I find that fascinating. Uh, Kathy, why do we need CDFAs? What's the role of a CDFA? What's the accreditation of a CDFA? Hi, Rob. Um, a CDFA stands for Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Okay. Um, I think the best way to think about though that term though is Certified Divorce Advocate, Divorce Financial Advocate, because really that's the role of a CDFA. It's to stand behind the client through the entire process before they file, while they're looking and negotiating a settlement, 
after the divorce is final, actually gathering the assets and just focusing on the financial piece and the financial planning aspects. Um, we go through training. We have to have certain education, uh, certain background before you can be a CDFA. Then there's a final comprehensive exam that is basically financial planning, but with the layer of divorce on top. And if you think about it, the reason it's it's so needed, an attorney goes to law school or a mediator, right? They, they are they are not in financial planning school. And divorces, money and kids, and sometimes, especially later in life, just money. So in order to get that planning advice, not just for today you're divorced, this is what you have, but in five years and 10 years and 15 years, and even planning for the next generation if you have kids, um, that's my job. That's not the attorney's expertise or really their role. So um, just very, very important to the process, I think. I've had a divorce. It was shameful for me because of, I guess, what society taught me growing up. But we were lucky because we both agreed this just wasn't right. We rushed into it. It lasted under a year. So we went with a divorce mediator and we never got bad blood. Um What's the difference between a CDFA and maybe like a divorce mediator who's looking out for best interest? And they did like a financial background on me. They made sure I wasn't leaving her high and dry, that I wasn't hiding money. Um, how, how more expertise are you versus a mediator, if that makes sense? Sure. So uh, any the, the beginning of any divorce, and you're, well, first of all, your marriage is a legal contract. Believe it or not, if you read the back of your license, it's actually a legal contract. You both have a fiduciary duty to each other hmm. to maintain community assets. For example, you don't burn down the house. Your wife doesn't take the retirement account to Vegas, right? So because of that, in order to dissolve that contract, the very beginning start is what you kind of described. You both empty your pockets. And when you mediate or litigate, that's always the first start. This is what we have. Right. And a mediator's job is just to get you both to agree. It's not about fair or equitable. Okay. It's come to an agreement. They are not held to any sort of fair standard or even standard. Now, in, in California, for example, right, we're a community property, 50-50, no fault state. So generally you get to half and half of any community property assets. But you can agree to whatever version of that half and half you agree to be between the two of you. Usually one of you earns more than the other. So the person who's not the primary earner may want more of the cash assets, for example, than the retirement assets. And a mediator, again, is not a financial person. They are trained in mediation, reaching a settlement in a negotiation between two parties. Yes, they know divorce law, hopefully, in the state right, in which they're in. Um, but again, they are not financial people. They're not financial planners. And the focus of any litigation mediation is, okay, the day you're divorced, this is what you have. My role is, okay, what about tomorrow and five years and 10 years? And if you want to keep the house, can you? Can you get a mortgage? What is your cash flow going to look like? over the next several years. And that's really not the role of a mediator or an attorney or anyone else really in the divorce process. I work for EP Wealth, as do you, and I'm married and it's I've seen through the financial planning process through the years that sometimes divorces gets really, really complicated, especially when you're wealthy. Um, let's talk a little bit about that angle. Um, I once wrote a book and you're gonna laugh at this because I was so naive and again, it's how we grow up and how we mature. Um, in one of the chapters, I said, ladies in divorce, go for the house. Don't go for the 401k. 
And the chapter was really quick, but it it was kind of implying that a house is a tougher asset. Uh, no, no, I said, go for the 401k, not the house. Excuse me. I totally blew the setup um, because a 401k is tougher to save money for. You can always find a place to rent. How naive was I in my approach on that? Like just saying, don't do it for the kids. Don't stick with the house just because it's a house. Well, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad statement, but really it, it's putting more around that. It, it has to be in context, right? It may okay. be the best idea. Because you're right, a house isn't a liquid asset and you can rent and there are other options, but you really, and, and that's my job is, is to look at the divorce menu, I call it. What's on the table? Is it a business? Are there properties, rentals? Do you have, what do you have? And then figuring out what makes the most sense. It may be to keep the house. That may be a good idea, but it may not. And then we have to look at things like right now, mortgage rates are high, right? A year and a half ago, a, a client of mine could come in, she could buy out her husband, qualify for that mortgage because it was 2% and the payment was low. Now it's a very different calculation. That mortgage is at 7% or 8% and that payment is much larger. So it, it there is no set, this is what you should do. It really takes a, an expert to look at your financial picture. And again, do that modeling like we do at EP and do that cash flow projection like we do. That includes taxes and all different aspects of your income and expenses. And then you can come to a conclusion of, okay, that is really the best idea. So you just have to put it in context. Got about two minutes left and sorry for taking so much of the time with the questions, but um, let's talk about the emotional angle on this. When I figured out I was getting a divorce, I got really emotional. She did as well. Um, how much of your job is the emotional side of like, let's calm down. Let's look at the finances. Let's, let's do this right. Let's not be angry. Let's not be sad. Let's not do you know what I'm saying? There has to be a behavioral aspect of it. Oh, it's huge. I always joke in my conference room, the, the one thing I always need is a box of Kleenex. <laughs> I don't need the other things necessarily. I've been through it. I went through a six-year divorce myself. I have a lifetime restraining order. I did wage guard. You name it, soup to nuts. And during that time, I thought, there's got to be a way to turn this into something good. And there's got to be a way to use the empathy that I have for someone in that situation, for for them to to be emotional. And, and one of my pet peeves is people say, oh, treat it like a business deal. You can't, it's your life. That balance sheet where you, is your hopes and your dreams and what you thought life was gonna be. But I can treat it that way. And I can help you with resources. Maybe you need a parenting coach. Maybe you need a support group. Whatever it is you need to get you through it, but I get it. And and there are tears in our meetings and that's, that's okay because I understand where people are. But again, it's my job to kind of sometimes be that backbone or that strength, or, you know, I say, if you, you're exhausted and you just can't do it anymore, I still have, have the energy to say, okay, we need to focus on what's important. I get it that this is terrible, but also there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I share stories with my clients of other clients. They were in a horrible situation like you, but you will come through this. And we're creating a plan for you so you can be financially stable. And over time, you'll heal. It's a grief process. And, and we have to just acknowledge that you're grieving the marriage and, and we have to be real about that. There's no question. So I have a bunch of resources for people as well as, again, just my own experience and understanding of where they are in this process. 
life is like a chapter book where it feels very dramatic mm-hmm. at the end of every chapter, but we move forward and you're a very important part in this. It's Kathy Costas, Catherine Costas. She is a certified divorce financial analyst slash advocate. I get the angle advocate because it helps. You can find her works at epwealth.com. It's epwealth.com forward slash blog. You'll find it. And if you need to, you can always contact me, Rob at robblackshow.com. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. So Women's Month is wrapping up for the month of March. April is Financial Education Month. I will have more EP guests on a regular basis. It is a very talented organization, very deep with financial planners, with experts like Kathy Costas in divorce. Lord Knoll joined us this month talking about what to do when a spouse dies. Liz McQueen talking about concerns amongst young professional women. And Stephanie Richmond, she went over the gender pay gap and how ultimately longer and invest more or so that they can live off their Nestle egg. My mother lived until her mid-80s. My father died before he was 60. It's a classic example of women need more financial planning education. Women need more assets in their financial plan. And yet, because they can carry a baby and do carry babies, and because they can take care of parents, and they do take care of parents, they're more loving than, say, I am, they get punished financially. And I just don't think that's right. So next month, more EP guests. This month uh, was Women's Month. Next month is going to be Financial Literacy Month. And we are going to continue on with the show. You can find everything that I do at YouTube or my website, robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. My YouTube channel is Rob Black Show. On Fridays, I'm going to start doing a YouTube uh, video that's going to be unique just to YouTube. And uh, I've done two of them so far, and they're evolving nicely. They're not quite where I want them to be, but they're evolving nicely. Find me on YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth.